0: Hey, guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm really excited to have my great friend and colleague, Drew Hume, on the show. He is a Thai massage instructor extraordinaire currently living in Costa Rica. Uh, Drew, can you introduce yourself and give people contact information, your website, social media, whether you'd like them to follow you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Robert. I'm I'm really glad to be here for starters. Um, I started my educational institution about eight years ago now. Um, We're sort of based in Toronto, um, Canada, and now we have a home base here in Costa Rica, uh, since I moved down here uh, about a year ago. And we travel around to teach uh, time massage or or manual therapy informed by time massage. and on top of that, now I have a, a retreat center down here in the jungle. Uh, if people want to get in touch, Navina.ca is the website, um, or the Costa Rican website is Costa Rica. The Instagram page is navina.community and my personal Instagram page is Drew Hume.
0: Very, very nice. So, Drew, uh, what did you want to talk about today? I, I'm assuming time massage related. Um, Are there specific topics that you think would be of interest to the audience?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a whole world of things that we can certainly explore. Um, I think something that um, you and I both have sort of come up uh, against a little bit of resistance with over the years is um, education in Thai Massage being a a white male um, and, and bringing in additional educational influences into what we do,
0: like uh, anatomy and physiology yeah you'd think that wouldn't be controversial <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: definitely definitely I think um, you know being in the social media world is first of all um, it can be very helpful to business but it all can also generate a lot of uh, conflict uh, digital conflict and, and a lot of the times um, I know for you as well but but personally, there's, there's been a decent amount of resistance when it comes to, to uh, discussing these types of ideas and practices in a social context.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, when I wrote my first workbook, a, a student pointed this out. This was something that just came up uh, for me. I had a basic, you know, sequence in my head that I put to text, um, put on the workbook with photos and then what I would do is I would sort of show the technique and application. And then underneath, I would discuss what I listed as Western anatomy to say, hey, these are the muscles that you're specifically accessing. Because I knew that massage therapists or yoga teachers, people with an anatomy background would be interested in that information. And a student like, raised her hand in class and said, I don't understand why you called it Western anatomy. Mm-hmm. Like isn't it just anatomy, and I'm like,, Ooh, um I think people believe send lines are Eastern anatomy. It's kind of I guess what I was hinting at yes,
1: yeah, yeah, it's definitely um and it's tricky ground too, you know you want to make sure that you um are honoring the uh, air quotes tradition, whatever that word means, uh perhaps yeah. honoring your teachers, their teachers, and so on down the line. Um, and and acknowledging the knowledge that they both implemented and developed over the course of history, and and that we now benefit from, and and somehow balance the the difficult path of blending um, knowledge bases from different histories, right.
0: <laughs> and I, I always go back to uh, yoga as an example. Um, I'm a big fan of BKSI Yengar, um, generally a fan of his alignment. But I know for a fact that even a Yengar teachers have slowly made changes and adjustments because we know more about anatomy and physiology, especially related to like bony structures to say, oh, wait, maybe he didn't know everything. Like we can supplement, evolve Change, develop a practice to be able to fit, you know, a modern scientific perspective. That's been my fundamental um, leading uh, concept, and like even developing time massage curriculum, especially because I live in the West. Is yes. how do we make it uh, approachable for the students in the marketplace that we're dealing with to be able to? pick it up and use it so that they understand core concepts, so that they can help people, and also like reduce harm.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you know, I think that that's a big... That, that theme of all traditions or all practices in their current state have evolved from what they started out as. And I think that that's something... That perhaps not everyone necessarily recognizes or gives airtime to when we talk about the idea of tradition, um, and I say idea of tradition because even in Thai massage, you know, every possible manual technique with or without oils, with hands, with forearms, with knees, and with feet, with every you know almost every body part, all of them in the history of Thailand really have been done. So it's almost like there's there's no. Net new creation of technique. What's what's different is what people have been taught, as perhaps a set sequence, and then what people have perhaps explored as as a way of um, really embodying the art, really embodying the practice of a, a time massage informed manual practice. Yeah, uh, because I, you know, and I and I think that's important because because time massage as it's currently practiced, is, is already an evolved manual therapy practice compared to what it started out as. And, um, and for its continued not only development, but also for it to really get legs in the West, we, we need to make it relevant to the people that we are not only teaching, but the people that they will then be treating. And I think that that's a big thing. You sort of mentioned doing less harm and and I still hear, relatively frequently, I still get sent horror stories. Someone even posted on, or commented on one of our blogs the other day on the Novena website about how they received a treatment and, um, and how the Thai massage practitioner decided that it was within their scope of practice to do... Um, mobilizations and really sudden cracking mobilizations of the spine. And yeah. now how this person is in so much excruciating pain that they can't walk today. And, you know, it, if that's what tradition is, then I, I don't really personally want to teach it. I want to teach an evolved form of an understanding of manual technique that, um, that really understands anatomy and physiology because we understand that, the bodies that we're working on are different. Um, the bodies that we're working on don't necessarily move very frequently or necessarily very well. And so our technique application needs to be modified and adapted to to meet those needs so that we don't cause harm. Um, yeah. And a lot of those times, we also need to have a background understanding of underlying conditions and then what that means, which, which is, I think, something that is is commonly lacking in in Thai massage specifically Thai massage education.
0: Man, I, it's like a big it's like a big heart bubble. I want to give you a big hug because <laughs> <laughs> I because I can see that you're you're struggling with the same things because we're trying to help people and then there's this uh, friction about how do we even develop curriculum and evolve and change that curriculum to fit the people and the cultural context that we're working in. Um, The bodies that we work on from people who in the West, in my experience, like they sit in a chair all day, they don't have extremely mobile hips, Um, you know, being fixated on form in a sense of, you know, I have to do it this way. At some point in my teaching practice, what I realized was I felt like, um, even though I never personally studied with B.K.S. Iyengar, mm-hmm. I was told that he developed props within yoga because people like me, Westerners, were so stiff and tight, he needed to help retrain them to kind of build them up towards what he thought of as the more perfect form. Mm-hmm. This is still where my time massage practice is is I'm trying to work with stiff, inflexible sometimes larger bodied Westerners to give them enough of the practice to be a benefit so that they can continue working on things and progressing
1: yeah, I think that I think that there's a lot of really important juicy pieces in there and and um as it relates to creating accessible movement practices in in the context of yoga, I think accessibility is when any practice is adapted to suit the purpose and the need, right? And and so instead of instead of the person adapting and molding to suit the practice. Which is I think that I think that that is something that we gain when we really pay deep attention to what we're doing and the impact of what we're doing. So, for example, in a manual therapy practice, you know, when, when we typically hear stories coming from Thailand or sometimes from people who studied in Thailand and we hear them uh, creating such high intensity by trying to put the knee... Right in at the chest. That sounds more like we're trying to make the body suit the the practice, as opposed to the practice suiting the needs of the person. Um, and and there's so many reasons why we would do that, including doing no harm or, or lessening our impact in that capacity. But also, it's the therapeutic value of any practice is is maximise and optimized when we meet someone where they're at. When we try to use the tools that we have in order to treat the person in the ways in which they need to. And that really requires us to pay deep attention. Um, and, and, and this is part of, you know, a, a lot of schools out there are still teaching set sequences. This is part of why we at Navina don't do that. We yeah. don't, don't teach set sequences. Um we, we teach people to customize because the therapeutic
0: value is heightened when we customize yeah. the person. The challenge as someone who wrote 700 pages of sequence manuals and nine DVDs, it was the core biomechanics of moving around on a table or a mat. I would use that sequence to try to help the students gain some movement proficiency to be able to, say, use their legs and feet for the first time with clients to deliver pressure. And then inevitably, 20%, it didn't fit the client's body, the, the receiver's body, the giver's body. And in class, I would go, oh, hey, Susie, listen, um, for you, let's have you do it this way. And the students would go, whoa, there's like more than one way to do it? And I go, yeah, Mm -hmm. we just give you enough of a template to get started. The challenge is, as a teacher, is that, unfortunately, I'm biased because I'm always going to teach towards my physicality and my tools and my body size. I'm 200 pounds. When I'm working with a young lady who's 100 pounds, I have to change things sometimes to make it fit. The person she's working on.
1: Yep, absolutely. You know, and I think this is there is there is um, benefit in utilizing a sequence for educational purposes, and then having giving people that experience of knowing that there's modifications that you can switch the order of techniques um, when they have proficiency in them, right? letting them know that, that the sequence is really for educational purposes. And then when we start to build proficiency, we can step outside that and we can reorder things. We can even leave a part of the body out of it and go on and, and focus on things that that we perceive are really quite necessary, right, in the practice, as opposed to saying, you know, I have to do it that way because my teacher told me i had to do it that way
0: oh it's such a it's such a complex issue um we could absolutely have an entire podcast just on that topic uh we're going to take a quick break Hey guys, it's Robert with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I wanted you to know you can pick up 700 pages of sequence manuals and nine DVDs of core content on our website, robertgardnerwellness.com. If you're looking for a free option, I recommend you join the Reboot Insiders Club. There are 450 hours of my class instruction videos available to you for free for your first month. Again, that's available at robertgardnerwellness.com. And Drew, can you uh, introduce yourself again very briefly and give them contact information like your website?
1: Absolutely, I can. My name is Drew, uh, and I created an educational institution for Thai manual therapy, Thai massage. It's called Navina. Um, if people want to get in touch with us, it's the website is navina.ca, um, or you can touch base uh, on Instagram, which our, ha- our handle is navina.community, and my personal Instagram handle is Drew Hume.
0: When When I look at um, curriculum and curriculum development and it's like, yeah, I deliver a sequence, but I try to remain soft. Um, I try to remain pliable, uh, flexible mentally. I encourage the students, hey, listen, if it doesn't feel quite right, just raise your hand and I want to check it out, see if I can maybe give you another option. The moments at which I go, huh, well, I don't, I don't know what's going to work. Let's, let's try this. To me, there's a, a potent piece of education in that because I want the students to understand that I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't always know what's best for their body,
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: don't always know what's best for the receiver's body. So I go to these students and I go, listen, I need you guys to communicate. How does okay. it feel? Do you need more pressure or less? Do you need something that's broader or more pointed? That communication process really goes back to the core, I think, of everything I teach.
1: Absolutely, I think that's I think that's so so incredibly important um, as an educator. Instead of again imposing our ideas of what will feel better, we have to remember that suggestion and exploration are part of of the real most beneficial ways in which people can take our learnings, take the things that we're sharing with them, and then apply them in a real-world context because you might be able to offer the perfect adaptation, the perfect modification for this one person working with this one other person. But if we teach them a method of exploration then they can take that modification and then they can modify it further based upon who they're working on and what communication they're getting, both in the, term, in the context of, you know, the communication directly with their touch, but also verbal communication. How is that feeling? Um, letting them know that, that there's exploration to be done
0: within every application of touch. It's, <clears throat> it's so complex... And students uh, in Texas, where I live, go through 500 hours of core curriculum to be able to get their license. And then I will sometimes tell students in class, listen, over time, just give me 500 hours. I want to see what your work looks like after you give me 500 hours. And they go, oh, you know, that's so much time or that's so much Mm -hmm. cost. And I go, sure, but this is a very complex practice. And I also encourage the students listen, you know, take what you need from me that works for you. Don't worry about the rest. If if my attitude or my cursings or you know whatever doesn't work for you, go study with other teachers and feel free to like mix and match and blend what works, you know, for you specifically.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a really wonderful way to to plant the seed of continuing education, to plant the seed that there's always more that we can learn. Um, and, and it gets people thinking. That, that would, That's a really great way to get people thinking about playing the long game. I think that, you know, I, I know that in the States, it's state by state that they sort of all have different uh, regulations and rules and, and hour requirements. And, um, and when you think of the 500 hour requirement, I think that that's a really great start. Um, and and coming from, you know, I lived eight years in Ontario in Canada and Mm then massage therapy programs, uh, are required by law to have 2,200 hours. Um, and so it's a very different, it's a very different perspective. It's a very different experience. And, um, they come out of that schooling with a very different set of skills around being able to assess. Things, being able to, to treat certain things, having a lot more within their scope of practice because they've had an opportunity to dig deeper into adjacent topics like, you know, how can we use manual therapy therapeutically? How can we assess the shoulder girdle when such and such a pain is preventing uh, or presenting, excuse me? Um, When someone has, you know, this particular medical condition, what are the contraindications or what are the indications that we need to know about and and how can we bring those forward into our practice? Um, I think the encouragement of people to have an open mind when it comes to taking further education, I think that that's a really great stone piece for people to practice. It's like always coming back to the beginner's mind side of things.
0: Yeah. I mean, bodies, and when I say bodies, I don't just mean physical anatomy. I mean people are complex. Their needs are complex. I don't assume I'm perfect for every student or client and vice versa. I'm trying to uh, shed light and be able to open up the practice in the West. And it's been interesting, at least in my experience here in Texas, where it's like, I'm just as misunderstood <clears throat> by the yoga community as I'm misunderstood by the massage community. Mm-hmm. And then they're looking at it like we're separate communities. And I'm like, we all deal with anatomy and physiology. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's just bodies. And the the and body
1: like,
0: say that part again. And, and the ways in which the body does or doesn't
1: move. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Two, two sides of uh, to the same coin. Uh, in my world. It was mixing and matching and blending. So sometimes, for instance, I would have someone, they couldn't go into uh, thoracic extension. They they couldn't open their chest easily. And the easiest way for me to do that was to put them over a foam roll with some blankets and teach them some basic breathing exercises while I'm doing Thai massage to them, mm-hmm. opening up their pecs and shoulders. So it was like, People from the outside look at it and go, "I don't. This doesn't." I'm like, "This works. Yeah. This is effective. Mm-hmm. This is simple." And they go, "But this is this isn't time massage. It's yoga." And I go, "Ooh, um, this is simple. This is effective. <laughs> right. let's, let's let's do this." Like the okay. categorizations past mm-hmm. a certain point, and I, I found this to be the most interesting thing. When it really boiled down, if you look at Thai Massage as a Buddhist practice, coming from Buddhist or very deeply tied into Buddhist spiritual tradition and lineage and leanings, I always looked at it and said, why are people upset that I'm trying to help ease suffering? Mm-hmm. That Because that's it. That's it. Yeah. like that's yeah. always been in my in my own case and in my clients' cases or students.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of that has. I think a lot of the resistance comes from a, an unknown, right? When people are, are notic, or, or when something happens that they're not expecting, then it's then it's a different. They, they search for a different label, and though then that label that they choose, whether it's yoga or Thai massage those both of those categories so to speak are informed by what we believe yoga to be or what we believe Thai massage to be um and it's it's interesting because I also I teach uh, sort of movement classes as well and I was teaching at a conference um in back in August and one of the people in the room sort of it, I was sort of introducing what I do and and, and nowadays to sort of open up the conversation, I sort of say that it's yoga adjacent. It's it's informed by yoga and other things, right? So that there's there's going to be some familiarity with the, the postures of yoga, and there's going to be other things that you're not necessarily familiar with and you might need to get used to, um, and though it's effective. And it's a blend of the things that I've learned through my university studies in human biology and through my manual therapy practices in terms of how to extract therapeutic value. Um, and I do a lot of work with um, the Yoga Dito, I do a lot of work with Cecily on this type of stuff as well, is, is understanding how to communicate what we do in a way that tries to include as many people as possible and honor origins of thought um, and present it as something perhaps unique as well. And then when you look at what yoga is, really, the the idea of or or, or what yoga is itself is union. And and therefore, some people would also then believe that anything, anything done with complete or full attention is yoga. And so it has no, no strict physical form then in that case. But then that's a whole then you have to take people back and and redefine their understanding of what yoga is and what it isn't. And and so sometimes it's perhaps a bit easier to sort of say, you know, this is yoga adjacent or yoga like Um, in a similar way to saying, you know, I now mostly talk about what I do in manual therapy as being informed by Thai massage um, and it's Thai massage adjacent, right? In, in order to help people, if people really want to feel like they own the title of Time Massage, they can do that, they can take it and run with it, and they can keep it. Um, for me it's it's a matter of sharing there's gonna be some familiar elements to it, and there's gonna be some other things that that aren't necessarily what you would typically typically find in a Time Massage classroom. And though, how can we how can we necessarily assume that these things weren't taught in a particular way? Hundreds of years ago, or or a hundred years ago.
0: What if what I find so interesting is if you if you dig within Thai massage circles. Um, I heard uh, Shama Kern. I really like Shama Kern's teaching, and there was an interview he did with Shai Plonsky, who's also been on the podcast. And <clears throat> Shama Kern, I listened with very rapt attention at this, and he said Pichet, uh, Pichet, the master in Thailand. He said. Pochette doesn't really practice traditional Thai massage. And I totally like, you know, tuned in and he's like, Pochette is informed by it, but he seems to like alter it and change it depending on the person he's working on. Mm -hmm. And he's sort of giving a given a license to alter and change. And when he does that, he's credited as being a master, you know, Mm -hmm. master, master innovator within this tradition. But if I do it, ooh. ooh. If you do it, ooh. And I and I always just went, okay. Who's going to be upset that I'm I'm trying to help people with my own limited knowledge base?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if they yeah. are, cool. Okay, let's have a discussion about that. But I have to keep going out and helping people and learning.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think that this is. You know, there's, there's work to be done in and around the idea of cultural appropriation and making sure that we're communicating clearly where things are coming from and what we're doing, and we also have to understand to a degree that there's always going to be people that don't jive with what we're doing or the way that we're doing it, and, and that's okay as long as we're making sure we check our privilege, we check into ways in which we are verbalizing our practices, could they be tidied up, could they be cleaned up, um, and... And how can, we, how can we measure our impact in the ways in which we're showing up and then continuing with the practice of
0: helping people? Yeah, yeah. We'll take a quick break. Hey guys, it's Robert with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I wanted you to know you can join our private Facebook group and subscription service called the Reboot Insiders Club. It is absolutely free for your first month. You have a private Facebook group to ask me questions, interact with other fans, followers, and students. And you have access to 450 hours of my classroom instruction Absolutely free for your first month and $7 a month thereafter. In addition, if you're looking for sequences, manuals, DVDs, we have 700 pages of sequence manuals and nine DVDs. Both of those are available at robertgardnerwellness.com.
2: Hey y'all, this is Trent Knox, podcast producer for the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I just want to say hello and uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We're adding a couple different features to the live stream now to incorporate some interaction from the community. So now when you follow, you like, you subscribe, you donate stars, you uh, you do some hype in the chat, you do some some extra stuff going on, then of course you will be rewarded for that via a follower alert, a message alert, contributing to the donation count um being listed as a sponsor on the on the live stream so if you can see down in the in the description either on youtube facebook twitch or anywhere you'll see that there is now a support the stream link so if you go through that you can go through Streamlabs and you can get some hype for the live stream so again thank you for tuning in and uh we really appreciate you for 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 hanging with us during this podcast with drew and robert so back to drew and robert in the studio
0: Uh, Drew, once again, can you introduce yourself, uh, just your name, and then also give them contact information so they can find you online?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My name is Drew Hume, uh, and if people want to get in touch online, uh, the best forum is probably Instagram, and the business handle is novena.community, and my personal handle is Drew Hume.
0: Drew, it's uh really really nice to have this conversation with you. I hope that you know fans and followers are gleaning as much information as I do. Part of what I think is so has such a strong heart resonance is I can tell that you're trying to honor the tradition while continuing to embrace, evolve um, into essentially science. You know, anatomy and physiology are good. You know, best practices and I don't always have a teacher to go back to. Um, I spend lots of time, honestly, doing Google searches. Um, uh, so students in our subscription asked me about uh, cerebral palsy, and I had to go. Oh, okay. So listen, that's not really my expertise. What I do want you to do is do like you know a little bit of some Google searches to read about the condition, and then think about how it affects you know the potential session. Um, And my understanding at that time was cerebral palsy also comes in a wide degree of um, physical attributes. So some people's conditions are completely worse or or different than others. So it's hard to lay down a complete blanket statement off of one specific thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think that that's a really great –
1: I think that that point in and of itself is a really great point to – not only our students who bring questions to class, which is incredible and amazing, um, to sometimes say, you know what, I'm going to come back to you with some thoughts and ideas. And if you want to bring some research to the table as well, I think that that would help us to to create a dialogue around it. I think that's a, a really wonderful, great practice as educators to let them know that that you are still developing your your knowledge base and skill set as well. It's it's almost like you're you're living the practice of what you're requesting, um, and and then also to, to recognize that each condition, every medical condition, or every injury, even has its own subjective impact in people's lives and so it's all it is very well and good and it's i think it's important to gradually increase our our base in knowledge of different conditions medical, medical conditions and movement restrictions and injuries and though having a bit of a caveat on that is whenever we consume information on it understanding that for some people all of this is not going to necessarily be relevant and for other people we're going to need to know more about other adjacent maybe comorbidities or, in, or or ways in which it's showing up for them that aren't necessarily listed as possible symptoms when we do our google searching and our and our internet based research right and so it's remaining open to the idea that we have to pay attention we have to really measure and watch the impact of what we're doing with our patients with our clients in the moment how are we using our words to 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 direct their attention internally and how are we using our words to request feedback and how are we using our touch vocabulary in order to measure and read the response of the tissues to what we're doing
0: Oh, so in, in classes, not to uh, jump off of that topic, I got to a point in my education um, working with students. So in my education, I'm, I'm learning how to teach mm-hmm. by teaching and refining that practice and realizing I got to this point where I have to teach my students self-esteem and say, this is not I'm the teacher, you're the student. This is, we are colleagues asking questions together and trying to refine the practice to go help the community at large.
1: Yeah, this is a big part. That's actually something that we establish at the very beginning of every course with, with our new trainees. We make it very clear that we're all in this educational process together and that questions are very welcome When we know the answer or when we know part of an answer, we can share what we know. We can share what we've researched. um, And when answers aren't known, it's fuel for development. Um, And we basically, we, we, we take away any of that idea of hierarchy in a classroom. And I think that has multiple effects. I think that people feel safer. I think that people feel like they can present ideas and share ideas more readily. And, and with all of those things, that ends up creating a classroom that has a, a more positive impact on everyone. Everyone takes away more from it, especially when people who maybe wouldn't necessarily have asked a question in the first place, decide to share because they feel like we're all in it together. Uh, and, and everyone in the classroom benefits from one of those questions.
0: When, when I go in and teach a class, particularly if it's mat-based, I can have adept, very knowledgeable massage therapists. They know anatomy, physiology, kinesiology, health and hygiene. You know, When I put them on the mat, they're like toddlers when it comes to their movement patterns because they don't have any real touch sensitivity with their lower body, their knees, their feet, using their legs, and then also uh, multiple points of contact, which is much more common um, in Thai massage. I always, and I think it's an increasing struggle as I age and continue to teach, you've probably dealt with this as well. I have to always go back to thinking about what it was like taking my first class And like, oh man, I got to kneel and like, oh, okay, I have to, wow, I have to leverage my body in a different way because now I'm not standing. I'm kneeling, crawling, you know, using my legs and feet. So I try to give enough of a template to allow them to to build some kind of training wheels Mm -hmm. until they can take the training wheels off and then if they want to do BMX tricks i'm like oh just go slow and don't hurt yourself <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah i love that that's a really yeah. great philosophy i think i think as a teaching note in general i think the, the teaching of philosophies sets people up for greater success in their practice success being the enjoyment of their practice and success being the impact of their practice i think i think when we teach philosophies instead of strict boxes that we set people off in those ways.
0: Yeah, it, it's just I think my part of my challenge is I was a philosophy student. I'm I'm very comfortable having a thought experiment, suspend yep. suspending belief and just exploring ideas. But I think for some people that's not as easy a way to go. The students go well, I don't understand where, where do I move their leg? Mm -hmm. And then I go, well, it depends on their hip Mm -hmm. and they go, (laughs) Oh, because they want like, you know, an absolute. And then I try to go, Oh, okay. Well, listen, when I say it depends on their hip, let's, let's explore the range of motion of their hip. And then what I want you to notice as you go through this circle is like, where does it feel smooth Mm-hmm. And where does it start to slow down and feel like an, an older kind of creaky door? Aww. Smooth? Burr. No, okay, this creaky spot right here, what, what muscles are you lengthening? What muscle fibers are you lengthening when that happens? Right. And they go, oh. And I go, yeah. The, the whole thing we just did was just using movement to find out where there was a movement restriction.
1: Yeah, I think that's a huge part of customization. Customization doesn't have to be anything big. It can be, and it should It should certainly include those quote-unquote small things, right? Paying attention to the slightly different fibers of the hamstrings, let's say, that perhaps need more attention for this person than the, the previous person you worked with needed. Um, and, and so customization doesn't have to be large strokes or or huge changes. But paying attention to those things gives people the tools to then customize based on what the people need, what what their their patients need, what they're coming in with, um, and that increases their impact.
0: Oh... I noticed um, for me, I, in some of my videos, I could come across as like acerbic or have like a sardonic sense of humor, or very kind of caustic, like kind of rough. Um, I can tell when I talk to you, Drew, you, and so far verbally when I speak with you, you're a little bit more like green tea. It's a little <laughs> little soft, a little lighter. And I come in like, you know? but when I wrote materials, what I noticed was my my verbiage and I think my language was a little bit more like you in in text because I could control that and had a sense of it being more permanent. Like I wasn't going to rewrite this workbook again and again. Mm-hmm. So there's there's multifaceted layers, and it's also one of the reasons I, I encourage students: listen, just take what you know works for you. Um, don't yeah. even feel like you have to work on a mat. Don't no, 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 no. I'm just showing you how to use some more tools to work on people and help them take, take what you like, leave the rest behind. Don't, don't assume Thai massage is is Robert Gardner or what I teach like, no, no, no. It's a big, vast uh, tradition that we're just sort of sampling from Mm -hmm. creating a situation where students could, for instance, I have a very mat based practice creating a situation where a student felt comfortable Improvising techniques on a table where they were already practicing was a huge uh, mental hurdle and step in education. Where even though, again, my practice is primarily mat based, I'm still ten years later teaching table work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, to throw a couple of cents in on that too is 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 meeting people where they're at, what they're familiar with, bridging them into practices by creating a bridge. If if, the, if there's no bridge between a, 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 an oil-based table practice and an oil-less floor-based practice, how can we ease people into it and contribute to the ways in which they help people? Uh, and I think that that's, that's the underlying piece, right, is is understanding that what we're trying to do pri- primarily is help people help other people. And in terms of, I, I mean, this, this goes towards my approach for really everything is trying to meet people, not only in a treatment context, not only in a movement-based class that is yoga-adjacent context, but even in the ways in which I'm communicating, uh, I... I try my hardest to meet people to meet people because when I do that, when I can do that, we end up everyone ends up getting more out of the situation. When I can bridge people into a conversation about time massage from let's say a previous perspective of being scared of time massage, um, then everyone is benefiting from that, right? Everyone gets to ask questions. Everyone gets to bring their own experiences to the table and share. And we, we create a path towards a shared goal. And I think that that's, um, that's, a, big part of, that's a big part of what I try to do in, in really everything.
0: We'll take a quick break. Hey guys, it's Robert with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I wanted you to know about our free trial subscription service. You can access 450 hours of my classroom instruction and a private Facebook group when you go to robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. In addition to that, we have a private Facebook group where you can ask questions, get answers, and interact with other students to be able to get more information to you easily. If you're looking for workbooks or DVDs, we have 700 pages of sequence manuals and nine DVDs of core content. Again, all of that is available at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. And, Drew, can you tell them again, tell the audience where they can find you online? I'd really like some of these people to check out your website and maybe follow you on Instagram.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Website is navina.ca for the educational institution. For anything based here in Costa Rica, it's costa rica.navina.ca. Um, the business Instagram page is navina.community. And my own personal Instagram page is Drew Hume.
0: Nice. Uh, Drew, what are some things you're working on in 2020? Uh, 2020 to me feels like a kind of pivotal year in a, a number of ways. What are things that you're working on, uh, let's say, with your retreat center in Costa Rica? You, you mentioned uh, traveling and teaching. Uh, any big projects, things you're excited about? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a few big ones.
1: Um, I'll say the, the first one that's, that's really far of mind at the moment is... Um, really expanding my own personal work in inclusivity uh, in in the arena of inclusivity, uh, which will then inform how Navina uh, creates inclusive spaces. And so things like uh, you know a big overhaul of all of the website verbiage, uh, and also creating opportunities and and um, options for for. Folks who don't necessarily have access, typically, to this type of work. Um, that's a that's a, another big focus for for us at Novena this year. Um, down here at the retreat center, we are doing. There's there's lots of things on the go here. I would say a big part of this year is is solidifying a solid international community um, who who lead retreats and bring down who are looking to experience something here in the jungle Um, we are also in our second round of investment so the next the next phase of the project down here is to build five um, two-bedroom houses just in the next sort of plot of land up the mountain and that's a big part of 2020 for us as well Uh, we have a lot of stingless bees here in Costa Rica and they are a deep love of mine, and a huge part of what 2020 will be in terms of caring for our our stingless bee colonies and trying to to help um, their numbers recover as they are getting close to extinction, which is pretty sad. Um, in terms of the educational institution in manual therapy, uh, I'm I'm really trying to work on solidifying digital relationships in 2020. Um, develop more online content. So I know that you've got a lot of online content, Robert, and I think that's incredible. And I think that that's how we, it's another way in which we can meet people. Another way in which we can meet people where they're at, perhaps their geographical location doesn't permit them to travel, to take courses in locations where we have them, right? Um, So a big part of 2020 is also adding even more work to our online repertoire. Uh, I think we've got four or five courses already. Um, And and most of my focus this year will be in expanding the anatomy and physiology curricula online. Um, I just launched the um, 22 lessons on the shoulder girdle anatomy and physiology. And that has been a a wonderful success, a huge amount of work, but a wonderful success. A lot of people are eating that up. Next up will be the, the pelvic girdle.
0: Yep. When students have asked me, they'll say, you know, we want a shoulder course. I'm like, oh. (laughs) I'm like, you got 30 hours?
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah. It's it's like way, if you go into detail, it's amazingly complex when you start focusing on like smaller niche elements and minutiae.
1: Yep, absolutely. Things like understanding pain referral of different structures that move the shoulder girdle, being able to then being able to then interpret that, assess for it, and then provide interventions, whether it's self-manual technique or, or you applying manual technique to someone, muscular isolations and activations as well as movement integrations. It's, it's, a, it's a deep pool.
0: Yeah. I, I do know for a fact that if I had waited until I was ready to do most anything in life, I never would have done anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, like, uh, the rough edges are and in a lot of ways, I think in curriculum or in classes or with clients, the rough edges sometimes are where our humanity shows through. It's not mm-hmm. when the podcast is perfect. It's when I stumble over my language or, you know, people recognize that you're just a normal guy having a conversation with a colleague. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not challenged, I know that I get bored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always want to be able to refine what I'm teaching for students and also for clients. You know, this capacity to revisit information. One of the reasons I'm a big fan of teaching online in some form is when you're talking about digital media in some form, it's pretty easy to go in and alter stuff. Uh, when you have a physical printed book, it feels permanent in a way.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's 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 a lot of. I mean, you know, there's still a lot of benefit to print media, and though the, the way that we're going, uh, digital space is really the most valuable investment that we can make. I think as as entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, personally, I will also say that there's been huge learning curves in that space, being able to code into websites and, you know, own and operate and fix and repair and, and break websites myself. Um, there's a whole, speaking of learning new things, there's a whole huge learning curve available there as well. right? Tech Keep support. Some, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. like people people think my business is doing time massage, and I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's like, it's trying to figure out else. Google calendar to schedule stuff and reading FAQs. That's what I do for a living now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Legitimately. Legitimately. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Uh, Drew, are there any like parting thoughts uh, you want to give the audience? And again, before we finish, you can just give people your contact information.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that um, maybe for anyone who currently practices time massage or, or who's considering it, I would, my encouragement as you are entering that space or in that space is to play the long game. Um, I, I, see, I see a lot of the intent of, of inquiries that we get these days for, for education, people are focused on the short term. People are focused on how quickly can I get through the course and get a certificate. And so, my encouragement would be to play the long game. Nothing worth its salt took a minute. Um, so, so commit to the long game. Chip piece by piece off your your practice uh, and your or and your education journey, and and stick with it for the long run. I would say,
0: really, really nice. Listen, it's been really great to have you on the podcast. I mean that from the most uh, heart-centered place I can possibly convey. Um, Teaching in the West has been sort of isolating at times, so it's really nice to have a colleague with a heart-centered resonance that I can, you know, convey information back and forth. Uh, Really, really wonderful to talk with you. If I can do anything to help promote your programs or help you in any way, just feel free to reach out to me.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Robert. And and it's been a pleasure to be here. And I really appreciate you creating this space and opportunity for me to come in on here and, and chat with you and say, um, you know, and let me know how I can support you as well. And, and, and it goes both ways.
0: Cool. Yeah. Listen, thank you so much. Uh, just let me know in the future what you want to come on and talk about. I'm happy to have you on again so we can have an ongoing conversation.
1: Sweet. Sounds great. Look forward to it. If anyone has any suggestions or questions, anyone in the audience does we can we can tackle a couple of those as well yeah yeah
0: and again where can they find you one last
1: time yep um the website is navina.ca um or on instagram my personal handle is drew hume all the all the business is navina.community
0: really really great thank you again for being on the podcast cheers thanks
1: so much for